When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The objects people keep in their home define who they are. This is objectified Donald Trump. This is gonna be great. I'm Harvey Levin. You're about to see Donald Trump like you've never seen him before. In his home, talking about his life, the high points and the low, told through treasured objects he's chosen to keep. I sat down with Trump a month and a half ago in his penthouse high above Fifth Avenue in Trump Tower. We want you to see the next president of the United States, the father, the aspiring movie producer, the sports fanatic, the man who still grieves over his brother's death, and the future politician. This sounds like political presidential talk. Who was secretly egged on by a United States president. So I want to tell you what we're going to do. Okay, so, you know, you get on, on stage and you do speeches every day. I want to talk about Donald Trump, the guy who became what you are today and how that happened. But it's going to be told through objects that span your, from your childhood okay. until now. Okay. So Sounds I'd like to good. start. I'm going to go, go pick a picture. I'm going to find you young and Sounds I'll be right back. Okay. I'm assuming this is you. Yeah. So. How old were you then? What do you think? It looks like a... Three? Yeah. Maybe three. Were you rich then? Yeah, my father was a builder. Right. And uh, he, he was a very good builder, too. He knew how to build a house. And when he sold the house, everybody... They still tell me, I lived in a house your father built. Right. Did you live opulently no. as a kid? No, because Queens is... You know, Queens is... You might have... You, I'm sure you have a lot of friends... I know a lot of Queens. Queens. So it wasn't opulent, but it was good. It was a great environment. Very different, I think, maybe than today, but it was a great environment. How so? Because you are the you are a very Manhattan kind of guy. I view it so differently. Here we sit overlooking Central Park, right. and now when I go there, it seems very quaint. I, every once in a while, I go. But you to don't see seem that. like a quaint guy. Well, I, I you know maybe I'm more quaint than you would think. Sometimes on my way out to wherever I may be going, I'll stop because it's an exit, right? Utopia Park. Right. And I get off the exit, and I'll stop and take a look at my house where I grew up with my parents and brothers and sisters. And, you know, I had a good early life. Were you spoiled? Probably. How so? I, well, I, you know, I, I had parents who spoiled me. My father was tough. Uh, my mother, maybe in her own way, was tougher, but she spoiled me. I understand you actually worked as a child. You worked. The paper room? I did. I did the paper thing. You know, I'd clean laundry rooms because if my father had a building or something, we had a little laundry room. Right. And uh, collect sometimes the coins from the machines. I read that when it rained, you took your dad's limo to deliver papers. No, well, that is a story that's out there. I, I don't believe so. There, there is a story out about um, a music teacher you didn't think knew anything about music, and you hit the music teacher because you're like, God, you don't know anything. Yeah, well, it gets a little exaggerated. Would, but you were strong-willed. Yeah, I was strong-willed. Uh, yeah, I, it, that story is very exciting. That story is all over the place. I hate that story. 
but no, that's not something I would do. How were you punished as a kid? I'm interested because your dad was a disciplinarian. He was, and so was my mother, but the wooden spoon, you know, that you used to right, start? Right, right, My mother would say, oh, I'm gonna get the wooden spoon, but she'd never use it. She was a talker in that sense. So you never, there was no corporal no, punishment? No, no, they weren't. That wasn't their world. They were firm, right? loving, great parents. My father was a very strong guy, but he was a very loving guy, very good guy, very kind, very big heart. But, you know, but a tough guy. So for the first 12 years of your life, um, what's your takeaway from it? I mean, what kind of sticks with you today? I think I realized the value of having great family, great parents. I had great parents. Success is a very important thing. It's certainly been very important to me. And I can tell you that one of the great choices I ever made in terms of success was the choice of going to NYMA, New York Military Academy. This is an old yearbook from where I went to school. Here's my picture. Huh. Sort of funny. Wow, you are, you are full military there. It was, no, that was a really good place, actually, yeah. I met people up there. One of them was a drill sergeant, I guess, and, and he was rough. And I remember the first day I went up and he said, stand up and attention to everybody. And I'm going like, oh, give me a break. How old were you when you went to military school? I was there five years, so I went to, through high school. So I graduated, I guess, around 17, something. So you were there 13, you went to military school. Yeah, Where I was went, it? Right, right. And there was upstate New York called New York Military Academy. Good place. But your family still lived in Queens. They still lived in Queens. Why'd you go? Well, my father thought it would be good for discipline reasons. That's a pretty extreme thing to send your kid away to upstate New York. What kind of discipline problems were you having? Well, I was just somebody that was rebellious. Compared to what you're reading about today, this is minor stuff, but I was rebellious. How did that rebelliousness manifest itself? Well, I think, you know, uh, in class, I was a smart person, but I would be very rambunctious. I talk way out of turn. Did you resent your dad when he sent you? No, not at all. I understood. Did he sit you down and say, here's why? Well, he said, I want to shape you up. I see, I, I want to get in your head just a little bit because obviously, look, I mean, kids rebel and your dad obviously felt at a point. Yeah. You needed that kind of structure. Yeah, I mean, maybe you just mentioned the word, it was structure. It was great structure for me. Uh, it structuralized my thinking and my life. It had a good impact on me. I was able to get it. Well, in a certain way, I was a captain. You know, I, would, I graduated at the highest level uh, in terms of a military rank. I was the captain of the baseball team, and I was always, you know, good at that stuff. I love the environment, that whole military environment. To this day, I have a feeling for the military, and I guess maybe it was partially because of that. Tell me about the uh, car. Well, it's Baron's car. Baron when he was little. Yeah, this is not Baron's car today, because Baron's 5'10 and 10 years old. Yeah, that was his car when he was a little boy. You have raised kids who everybody says, whether they support you or oppose you, they all say all of your kids are great, they're focused, 
they're successful, yeah. and they love you. Yeah, um, I have good kids. I think being Trumps and having the Trump genetics, we knew we wanted to be in this family business really since you know almost we were born. The thing's starting very early, um, just spending a tremendous amount of time um, watching him engage in business uh, was, was very helpful. How do you score um, uh, 100% on that? How do you do that? Well, you know, it you? it's also, I don't know, it's also, uh, and, and so important, you know, you can be strict, you can lay down the rules, you have to be, you are born a certain way. I mean, you're born, you have smart children, you don't have smart children, you love them the same, and there's something very nice about that. There really is something nice about that. I think it's important to make children understand the value of the dollar, the value of work, the value of money, the value of achievement. You think that's really critical in terms yeah. of how your kids turned out? Harvey, it's so important. They have to understand values and they have to understand what it is to be successful. I didn't have a conventional father-son relationship with my father growing up. We didn't go play ball. I followed him around job sites and real estate and watching him do these things. So, you know, now working, it's really just been the culmination of all of that expertise and knowledge and getting to work with him hand in hand now has just been an amazing experience. Do you spoil your kids? I guess they spoil, but you know, you can't let them believe too much. Don't you grow up in a place like this and you, you see life from maybe a little bit of a different perspective, but I try not to spoil them. So, Baron, is he kind of cut from the same cloth as your other kids, or is he a little different? I, I think he's very similar. He's uh, smart and strong and good. He's got a good heart. Strong-willed. Strong-willed, yes. He is uh, his dad. They call him Little Donald around here. Oh, really? Well, I don't know, but uh, maybe we should not wish that on him. <laughs> but he's, he's a good guy. He can't go on the internet, right? Uh, he actually does. I mean, he's pretty advanced, I'll tell you what, when it comes to the computers. But, you know, you talk about bullying and cyberbullying and all the things that kids have to go through. It's, I think it's a lot tougher for children today. How's he doing? He's doing good. I hope. I understand that you have hard rules for your kids. No drugs, no alcohol, no cigarettes. I hear you added no tattoos. The, pro the thing is, look, I have so many friends that have tattoos. Would I do it? No, but a lot of people would. How involved are you in child rearing? Not too much. Uh, I would like to say a lot. I talk to all my children, but not in the sense of that much involvement. Nothing I'm proud of, it's just the mothers have done such a good job. This is the chair that I used in the boardroom of The Apprentice. We had a lot of good luck with this chair, 14 seasons. If it weren't for this show, would you be in a position to run and do what you've done? I don't know, a lot of people ask that question. It may have helped me develop a, a certain skill. What is that skill? Are you a sore loser? I don't want to lose it, Harvey. You just don't want to be the one. Welcome to the boardroom. It won't be easy, but you're going to have some interesting experiences. Well, this is the chair that I used in the boardroom of The Apprentice. And we had a lot of good luck with this chair. 14 seasons. I think that is so stupid for you to say, you're fired. Okay. Go. All right. Terrible. If it weren't for this show, would you be in a position to run and do what you've done? I don't know. A lot of people ask that question. It changed you. Well, it and it changed have. the perception of you in the public. Are you ready? Yeah. Ready. But 
before we find out who won. Well, you know, it is my hair. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> and it may have helped me develop a, a certain skill at television. Who knows for whatever that is. But I, I will say very, very strongly that if it weren't for The Apprentice, I mean, it, it's just been, to me, a great experience. You say you developed a skill from the show. Um, that translates into politics. What is that skill? Well, I thought I had that skill at the very beginning from the first episode. I want to pass along my knowledge to somebody else. I'm looking for The Apprentice. But somehow it connected with people. I feel that that's a natural talent, and but you can always get better at something, Harvey. Uh, and now Arnold will do the show. We'll see how Arnold does. Let's get down to business. You come off on that show as a supremely confident decision maker who is gruff and tough. To me, I'm back here as a fighter. I'm back here as a winner. But Brett, you've been a winner. You are a winner. You're great, Brett. You're fired. And no nonsense. And it's my way and it's the highway. Wouldn't you say you crossed the line? Um, I crossed the line. This is why the country's gotten into such trouble. This is the kind of thinking that we've been witnessing on Wall Street for the last five years. Did that carry over to politics? I, I think that what you have to do in show business and in politics is be yourself, and unless you're playing another character. But in my case, I was playing myself. So, you know, I had sort of an easy job. All I had to do was be myself. You've been lazy. You've been nothing but trouble. You claim to be like me. The difference is I work hard. The show to me, it was, it was just, it was a great honor to have done it. 14 seasons, that's a long time. And I, I will say this, Harvey, turning it down was one of the, turning down a continuation was a tough decision for me. That was a, one of the tougher decisions. I remember Mark Burnett said, they want to renew you. Everybody in show business is, yes, yeah, I mean, how many people say no? But I said, no, I don't want to be renewed. We are going to run for president. Well, it's a club championship trophy, and... That you won. Yeah, I've won a lot of club championships over the years. Sports has been a big part of your life. Yes. Why has it just connected with you the way, it, the way it has? Because you are intensely a sports guy. I've always loved playing sports, and I've always loved maybe the competition of sports. But it's been good for me. It's been really good for me, I think, in a lot of different ways. But sports, to me, is very important. Has it helped you with discipline and kind of just getting things done? Yeah, probably so. I mean, who really knows? I don't think of it in that way. I do right. it because I enjoy it, whether it's tennis or golf or whatever you may play. You know, as you get older, you sort of, your choices are more limited. Right. You can't put together like 18 people on a baseball field. But um, I've just always loved being a sportsman or playing sports. You admire athletes. Well, I respect athletes. I respect winners. I respect great athletes. And some, you know, you learn so much from sports because it's just a sort of a microcosm of life. Except one thing, it's you have a winner and you have a loser and it takes place in a short period of time. With life, it's meandering. You don't know and you don't know exactly what it is and you don't know who wins, who loses, but it is a microcosm in life. 
What about Tom Brady? You seem to connect with him. Why? Well, he's a friend of mine. He's a great guy, and he's a great athlete, obviously, but he's a winner. He's a guy who likes winning like you. You think uh, he's got what it takes? I hope so. It would be great. Be a putting green on the White House lawn, I'm sure of that. <laughs> what did you think of Deflategate? Well, you know, he played better when he had the other ball. Uh, I think Tom is totally innocent. I think Tom is, uh, first of all, I know him. He's such an honorable guy. And uh, I'm, I'm with him all the way. Shaq has actually said that you intimidate him. That was like a straight up guy. Like, if he sees your shirt tucked out, he won't breathe his eyes. He'll be like, tough shirt. I don't think anybody intimidates Shaq, okay, including me. You've used um, golf to really kind of cement deals and develop relationships. Have, yeah. And would you end up using golf um, as a way of kind of cementing relationships with leaders? Well, you don't know. I must say, uh, I've been campaigning so much, i played very little golf over the last pretty long period of time. So you're uh, about to tell me you'd golf, lose? Golf, golf, <laughs> right now, golf is a very, um, it's a great game for getting to know people. Both good and bad, by the way. You can learn some bad things about people, but mostly good. You can never, ever get to know people at lunch or dinner like you can on a golf course. The uh, Phillies and Red Sox scouted you at a point. You were a great baseball player. Had you been picked uh, to join the team, either one, would you have done that instead of going into business? Oh, well, I love baseball. I love, look, I just love sports, but I love it. I was a good baseball player. Um, I don't know. I think probably not. I really? Guess not. Well, I remember I was having some tryouts, and there were some players that actually made the major leagues, and they were with me. And I remember saying to my friends, they are very good. <laughs> you know, so you never know. I mean, you just never well, know. Well, if you had the shot, I mean, back I in guess, the... Look, when you're 20 years old or you're 18 years old, you probably say absolutely, you know. Are you a sore loser in sports? Well, I don't like losing. I don't think I'm a sore loser. Um, you know, it's interesting if somebody else plays great or does something great, I feel much better than if I lose it. I don't want to lose it, Harvey. You know that feeling. You just don't want to be the one. I've never had a drink because of my brother. Does it worry you that you might have that gene? Does it scare you? I do have a personality that maybe, you know, you'd carry me out of this room one day, okay? What do you, what do you mean by that? So those are your uh, brothers and sisters. Right. Um, you know, a big family. Well, a great family, five in, the, in terms of children, five, and a great father and a great mother. Freddie is standing in the middle there. Right. Tell me about Freddie. Unbelievable personality, the best. A very handsome guy, everybody loved him. Much better person than me, I guess. You know, I mean, in a lot of ways. Why do you say that? Well, he just had a tremendous heart. And I have heart. I, you know, I love people. But he had something that was very special and smart. He had the whole package, and he got uh, into trouble with the alcohol. He really became, you know, horribly addicted to alcohol. Well, he did, and he, uh, you know, he died of that. And, and I tell people, I tell my family, we could not talk about it or we can talk about it. I think what we're doing by talking about it is Freddie is is really helping people. He's really a legacy, it's he's helping people. Because I've never had a drink because of my brother. 
If you don't start, you're never going to have a problem. If you do start, you might have a problem. And it's a tough problem to stop. Did you try to help him stop? Oh, yeah, we tried to help him. And uh, it was just a very, you know, it was a very tough period of time. We tried to help him. He died at 42, really from alcoholism. How did it affect you? Amazingly, because it's not a natural progression. You know, you don't lose your young brother with so much life and so many, you know, so much potential. You are really adamant about that with your kids, I know. Donald Jr., your son, has been open that during college, he drank too much and he decided to stop. Did it scare you when he started drinking? Yeah, well, I heard about it and I was a little surprised because I was heavy with them on, I mean, every day, every time that, you know, leave the house, no drugs, no alcohol, no cigarettes. So I was a little bit surprised, but, um, Did you intervene when you knew he was drinking? I spoke to him, but he, he never had, you know, the big problem. But you never know what's going to happen. They could have been on the way. You said something interesting. You said, if you don't start, you're not gonna have a problem. The easiest is don't start. Does it worry you that you might have that gene, something inside of you that if you took a drink, um, you wouldn't stop, you might turn into what happened to Fred and does it scare you? Maybe... Yeah, but the nice part is that if you don't drink, you right. don't have to worry about it. And that's part of the thing. So if I said, okay, maybe I have that gene, so I'll drink very, very little. But if you have that gene, you're never gonna stop. You don't wanna take a chance. And I do have a personality that maybe, you know, you'd carry me out of this room one day, okay? I mean, who knows? I saw a friend of mine who what do, was, what do you mean by that? Well, you don't know. I mean, if you think you're gonna drink just a little bit, you know, moderation. But if you have the gene, I'm not sure that you can moderate very easily. So do you not drink out of fear or out of choice? Both. I had dinner with a friend this week um, who was in your office a long time ago. Ivanka was 23, and she walked in and said, Dad, I'm going, uh, I'm going out with some of my friends tonight. And you gave her a speech in front of the person that I had dinner with. And the speech was, I do not want you to drink. Boys will take advantage of you. It's a bad thing. Well, again, I learned from my brother. And yeah, I've been very tough on my children with respect to that. And when people say, you know, because my children are doing nicely and people respect my children, and sometimes, even very successful people would say, could you talk to my child and give me? Do you do that? I do, I do for people. Back to Fred though, is that painful for you to talk about? Less than I would think because I really think by you and I talking about this, we're helping somebody's out there. Maybe it's one person and that would be okay too. But somebody's out there that's watching you and I have this conversation who's not gonna be drinking or not gonna be taking drugs or maybe not start smoking cigarettes because of the conversation we're having right now. And there's something really cool about that, don't you think? Business school was not your first choice. Well, I wanted to be in a business that you're very familiar with. I wanted to make motion pictures. What was it about, I mean, that's shocking. Tell me uh, what the Trump White House would look like because your place is a little like Versailles. <laughs>
So tell me about what this is. That is the Entrepreneur of the Year Award from the Wharton School of Finance, which of course is always a nice thing to get from that kind of a school. You got that when you were in school? I got that a little bit after that. I guess I got that from doing deals. I was awarded that. So this was, overall, cool. they looked around the country and they said, I this guess. is the guy. I guess, I didn't ask, I picked it up and I was out of there, so. My understanding is business school was not your first choice. Well, I wanted to be in a business that you're very familiar with. I wanted to make motion pictures. I absolutely did. I was going to apply to USC. USC Film School. And I was absolutely going to do that. I loved it. Wait, Trump, I hear Kelson finally dumped you. Not exactly, no. We just came to a mutual understanding that she couldn't bear me for another second. That's all. What was it about? I mean, that's shocking. Why? Well, he just what felt... was it that literally was going to make you break from what your dad did and start a career in film? I just liked it. I always liked it. I liked the glamour of movies. It's hard with that business is you never know what's going to hit. And like we do The Apprentice, who would have thought that was going to be such a big hit, right? Well, it's been great. And you know, it became the number one show on television, and now it's yet another big hit. In real estate, there's always risks and everything. But if I get the best location, I do the best looking building, I get it up on time and on budget, I do things, you know, you have a pretty good chance of success. With a movie, you see, they spend 200 million on a movie and it's a bomb, and they spend $500,000 and it's a Tremendous success. So you never I, really. I, I got to tell you, just based on what I know about your personality, that really surprises me because I have never heard you risk averse. I've never heard you say it's just too risky. I'm fearful of it. And it sounds like movies are almost too big a gamble. I think they are a gamble. I mean, I've seen it. I love the concept of making movies. I love the old great movies, uh, Sunset Boulevard. Could you have cut it? I don't know, you never know. What do you think? I, I have always said if you can make it in one business, you can make it in another business. Do you believe that? Yeah, I do. If you like it, if you have an aptitude for it, then you have to be interested in it. But I've always felt, Harvey, that if you can make it in one, you'll make it in another, if you like it. You have to like it, you have to love it. We can't be defending Japan and we can't be defending Saudi Arabia and the Persian Gulf and everybody else. Other countries have to pay us for the services we're rendering, or this country is gonna go right down the tubes, and that is a shame. And we'll be back in just a moment. So you spotted this, but it's a letter from Richard Nixon. Written and, 1987. And it was just amazing that he wrote it. You, you can read it. I did not see the program but Mrs. Nixon told me that you were great on The Donahue Show. As you can imagine, she is an expert on politics, and she predicts that whenever you decide to run for office, you will be a winner. With warm regards, sincerely, Dick. Did you know him? Not well, no, I didn't know him, but he, he would write me letters. It was very interesting. He always wanted me to run for office, but... Were you talking about it back then? Not really. This sounds like political presidential talk to me. And I know people have talked to you about whether or not you want to run. Would you, would you ever? Probably not. But I, I do get tired of seeing the country ripped Why off. Why would you not? I just don't think I really have the inclination to do it. I love what I'm doing. I really like it. Also, I, it doesn't pay as well. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I just probably wouldn't do it, Oprah. I probably wouldn't. But I do get tired of seeing what's happening with this country. And if it got so bad, 
I would never want to rule it out totally. Honestly, the first time I really started thinking about doing it was four years ago. But this is a guy who clearly saw you um, after you wrote your book, um, when you were a successful businessman, and he projected you into politics. Well, he, and he had some rough life. I mean, when you think of his life, that was a life of anguish and turmoil, wouldn't you say? But it was interesting because uh, he wrote this letter and I just seen And you really letter. didn't know him at all? I didn't know him well, no, I didn't know him well. Does business train you for politics? Yeah, I think to a certain extent. I think you need heart, more heart maybe in politics, which I think I have actually, but uh, there are certain things in politics you have to be a little bit different. Maybe you have to be a little bit softer in a certain way, certainly in terms of your thought process, but... Softer in politics Well, you have business? to think, look, I mean, think of the decisions that have to be made when you're thinking about sending young men and women into war. Okay, into war, you don't have that kind of a decision if you're running a company or if it's business. I mean, these are such monumental decisions. It's, it's a tough, there's, no, there's no, nothing easy about it, that I can tell you. I am officially running for President of the United States. You are a very um, headstrong guy. When you made the announcement in this building that you were running for president, how improbable uh, did it seem that you would get to this point? You know, I didn't think I was gonna do it and lose. I mean, you go, you do it to win, right? Well, some people do it to make a statement, Maybe. really knowing they're not gonna no, I mean, get this I, I far. think I, I did it because I thought I could Win. So this doesn't surprise you at all, what's happened? Well, it surprises a lot of people. Maybe it doesn't surprise me. It, it doesn't, I mean, I, I'm not saying this in a braggadocious way. It doesn't surprise a lot of the people that know me. The day you went down that escalator, you thought you were gonna be the next president of the United States. I think so, because if I didn't think that, I don't think I would have gone down the escalator. Tell me uh, what the Trump White House would look like, because your place is they're a little like Versailles. <laughs> What's well, gonna think, change at the White I, House? I think the White House is such a special place and it has such a special meaning for American people especially, but for the world, it's a world meaning and nothing would change in the White House and the White House will remain the way it is. It's a very special place. In terms of representation or meaning, there's nothing like it. What attracted you to Melania? She is stunning, but there's got to be more than that for it, it to last to this no. long. Look, beauty is, you know, a very nice thing, but after the first hour, you still have to talk to somebody. Well, my father was a uh, very special guy. He was uh, strong and kind and good and very smart, and I enjoyed my father a lot. How important was he in terms of who you've become? I think he was like uh, sort of everything. He was for me uh, the mentor, my best friend. He he just had the whole the whole ball game. Terrific. So give me the qualities that Im you think are embodied in you from him. Well, I think I have a certain uh, similarity. We we loved detail. We loved um, order. When we built, we built on time. We got people to work. He was a good leader. He'd lead men and women. Now, in those days, it was men. But he'd lead them to getting a building done or getting a home built or whatever he was doing. Uh, and, you know, I have that same quality. It seems, though, as much as he influenced you, 
you wanted to outdo him, that he was in Queens, he did housing projects, you were in Manhattan, you built skyscrapers. I don't think I wanted to outdo him, but maybe psychologically I did. I, I would never be able to say to you, oh, I did, but you know, it could be, you're always looking to do maybe a little better than your parents or whatever it may be, but I don't think I, certainly I never thought of it in terms of overtly, but maybe deep down inside, maybe I did. And he was very proud of me. He was very proud of the buildings I built. He was very proud of the success that I've had. I've had this incredible success and he was so proud and he lived to be almost 94 years old. So he got to see a lot of it. Where'd you get the showmanship from? I think my mother had a natural showmanship. Uh, she was born in Scotland, always respected the queen, always liked pomp and ceremony. So I figured maybe that's where it happened, I don't know. But my mother loved, you know, as an example, the Buckingham Palace thing. She thought it was so beautiful, the changing of the guard. With Queen Elizabeth? With Queen Elizabeth. She had a lot of respect for the Queen, always thought she was a terrific person. Your dad was kind of cynical of that. Yeah, my father would have been a little bit the opposite. But it was very interesting, it was an interesting combination. Well, that is the wedding invitation. Uh, it was a beautiful day at the Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach. 2005? Yeah, it was very nice. What attracted you to Melania? Well, she's a very, very good person. Very kind, great mother, unbelievable mother. And we had a very immediate attraction, absolutely. She is stunning, but there's got to be more than that for well, her to last to be, this no. long. Look, beauty is, you know, a very nice thing, but after the first hour, you still have to talk to somebody. But no, she's been, she's been terrific. She is kind of a traditional wife. Totally. And it seems like that suits you. I think it does. I mean, it does, but she's very traditional. Would rather stay at home than you know, anything else. No, she's very traditional. I think that's good. And, and you know, I hear she's incredibly involved with Baron and yes. drives him to school every day. She takes him to school. She's very involved with him. She, uh, she loves family. I mean, her whole thing and her parents are here every once in a while. They'll come over from Europe and she loves having him here. She's a very good person. When um, you decided to run for the White House, did she wince? Well, she did, and you know, rightfully so. I mean, then they were saying she's an illegal immigrant, and you know, it's like uh, the the oh, did she get hit? Um, when you sit down with her, um, will she argue with you? Does she win? <laughs> well, I mean, she has great sense, common sense, but great sense. Is she in your ear a lot in terms of? Well, she she has yeah, she has a certain um, understanding of the world that's pretty good. And she comes from Europe. Does that help? speaks languages. Does that help for you that it's somebody from a different background? Well, maybe. I mean, I'm not sure I can really define that, but maybe it does help. But she is somebody that uh, has, has real, she has sense. She's pretty much um, the, the dominant factor in Raising Baron, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, she is. I mean, I am. I'm a good father, but she's very dominant when it comes to raising her son. Is she looking forward to um, 
life as a first lady in the White House. There are some people who seem to embrace it, and, and others who just, oh, like Pat say, Nixon, never did. Oh, I know. And and there are some women that wouldn't like it, some women. I, I think maybe, I think she'd do a great job. I think she'd be very, very helpful to charities, different charities. Uh, but I can't tell you yet whether or not she'd embrace it, because it's, it's not easy to embrace. You have put your name on all your buildings. Yeah. That name means a lot to you. That's ego. I mean, do you view ego as a bad thing? What the heck is this? <laughs> These are magazine covers over the last six months, and I think five or six times on the cover of Time. And it's crazy. So what, what strikes me about this is there are some that are not even particularly flattering, but yeah. you got them proudly displayed. Boy, I have a lot of them. Some are not flattering, but uh, they're there. This must give you some gratification to see that you're on every magazine cover. Well, it does. It's not all good stories. Is having the stories more important and relevant to you than... No, I'm not a believer in all publicity is good publicity. I think I'm not a believer in that at all. A lot of people say I like that. I think it's great, but it's, it's not... When you drive around your city, um, and you see your name on all these buildings, that must give you a real sense of satisfaction. It does. I mean, I've always loved New York. It's special, and, you know, to have done so well in this city is, like, to me, it's a great honor. There's something great about it. There are people who say that this and the buildings and everything else is ego. To that, you say what? No, it's not ego. I love doing it. I just have fun. Uh, we have uh, a period of time that we're on Earth, and we like to do a good job, but I love doing it. I've had such an incredible time. I would have never thought that if I run for office, I was going to end up with this. This is, by the way, a small sample of what's taking place. Trump steaks are by far the best tasting, most flavorful beef you've ever had. Truly in a league of their own. Trump, the game, because it's not what you win or lose, it's whether you win. That's, a, that's ego. I mean, do you view ego as a bad no. thing? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I see a lot of people with ego. They're good people, they're bad people. You know, you don't know. But I do see a lot of people that win have a big ego. Who are you? Who's Donald Trump? I mean, always a very tough question, but I'm somebody that likes to help people. I like to see things done right. But, I, you know, above all, I want to make life good for a lot of people, not just myself. I don't want to, I've, I've won so much. I've won enough for myself. I want to win for the country now. I hate seeing, Harvey, what's happening to our country. If you had to define yourself, as a smart person, a savvy person, you know, a tenacious person. Which of those most suits you in terms of who you are as a, as a guy? I mean, you know, look, I'm smart. I went to good schools. I did well, so I guess I'm smart. I'm very tenacious. I, you know, I, I, I won't give up, certainly, and never give up. I always tell people, never, ever quit. Never, ever give up. Always do something you love. But, you know, never quit. Never quit. You'd have so much more success if people would just keep going. Even against odds. Even against odds. Let's go back to 43, guys. I'm leaving for New Hampshire. Uh, so we won't be too much longer. I'm going up to do a speech in New Hampshire now. So. Today? Yeah. Am I going in Rona? Yeah. Oh, I'm Jimmy Fallon. Are you going to come with me? To Fallon? Yeah, Jimmy Fallon. I'm on Jimmy. What time do I have to be there? 
Oh, I'm not doing New Hampshire today? How about that for a schedule? Jesus. Harv, I'm going to have to go after this one. Can we, is this the last one? No. This is pretty intense. Uh, no, it's not. How much, how much more do we have? I need 45 minutes. Why? I, I'm, it's an hour show. Where, where am I standing, guys? Are you going over to Fallon? Uh, no. Are you friendly with him at all or not? I don't, I don't really know him. I mean, I'm Let me not get, I'll get on this side, maybe. It's cool. That is the longest interview I have ever done in my life, but that an intense, come here. Thank Believe you me. so much. Believe me.